we're here. Hello. La la la. For those of you who are going to be drawn to something other than the main event show that's going to be going on, come to Generational Change. But hi, it's it's Wednesday, Generational Change. I'm Jen. I'm Peter, and I think I've got. But I here's think the I'm thing: congested. I am going to again reiterate what I always say to you. This is a podcast. This is not for live streaming. Like we happen to do it live because it's fun and that's nice, but we're building a library of information for people. I don't need to be relevant right this second. If we're putting out information, so I don't, it doesn't matter to me as much as, and I understand it would help grow the channel, obviously, if people were watching, but we're a podcast. Well, we don't normally go live at eight o'clock. No, and it is, and usually we do better later. So, and let me just say something I've been looking into. So, not all podcasts are YouTube shows, and not all YouTube shows are podcasts. Did you know this? I didn't know that. Yes. But they're two to like we have both. Well, for example, there's YouTube shows, but you wouldn't find them on Spotify. That's true. You know what I'm saying? So you wouldn't have it like they, they only do, they're YouTubers. Like they don't only, you know. So I I don't know. It was very I was trying to look at different things. I'm trying to figure out well, like our we platforms. Are doing well, now that you're here, of course, I love seeing those two wonderful dogs in the uh, in the profile. I know. Picture. That's obviously what makes it great. Uh, I don't know. I like. I don't feel sick. I feel fine. But I feel like I'm like. I feel like my voice is. Con- do, do I sound congested? No. Like, at all? Are you maybe have? I don't know. But like you know, you're you're redder than usual. He I gets am? red. Yeah, you get chafe. And well, I'm wondering if maybe you were having a reaction to something. Maybe that's why. I, that's why I was going to say that. Like, I don't know if maybe you had something on you, like you're having a contact reaction. I don't know. Uh, no, that is definitely not the case. But then again, uh, I, I did take a shower not too long ago. Good and, for you. And I well, Personal yeah, hygiene I mean, is I important. I don't want to smell bad coming into the studio. Oh, got you've got, we've had there. moments where you've come straight from the gym. Yes, that was a while back. It was a long time up, ago. But I yeah. gave that, that up. I know. Very, I talked to you in a going in the mornings. Yeah. Well, that was much, much smarter. You think? Worked out a lot you know more. what? I actually am smart about a lot of things, and you don't appreciate Somebody's it until bragging. after the fact. Somebody's bragging. I'm just saying that there are many times when I'll even say to you, this is one of those things where you're going to say you were right, and then you still don't like get it until afterwards, and you're like, yeah, you were right. First of all, women are just kind of much more intuitive. They just, we just are. So hoping everything goes well. We're uh, hoping we get a guest. We are, uh, we're noticing that a number of high profile conservatives have been moving to Southeast Florida, uh, particularly the Miami area. Um, I don't know how long Clint Russell has been down here, but Patrick Bet David has Why been do doing, you find him, why do you classify him as a conservative? Well, not necessarily. I mean, he's libertarian. That's um, not conservative. So I guess it's not conservative. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Uh, you you and, could also be conservative. I don't know. You could, I guess, be both. Okay, so how about just popular content creators? I guess would be a better uh, way. That's a better way to put it. So, for example, uh, are you two We love related? you, Double K. No, we're not related. Us two? No, we've just been together. That's what you spend your money on is to find out if we're brother and sister. Okay, because I know if Double K, you if know. You said the other thing. Don't even. I didn't say He knows. Brother and sister. Don't even. Because there, there were times during the canvassing times when there would be like the, it only really happened like one or two times where somebody thought you were my son. And that just. 
Really? Well, that was when I had like my hat on. Backwards it would be he'd be standing out there with his baseball hat on backwards, holding a clipboard, holding his sunglasses in his mouth with his shorts. Like he could have been my son. My son's definitely the same size. Like my son could be that. But brother and sister, we've gotten. We we generally we do get couple. We get that where I'll say my partner and I have to specify business partner, which is one of the main reasons why when people use the term partner for their life partner, I always verify I've made that mistake. And I just, I feel we've, for the love of all that is holy, we've got to come up with something better. To me, partner is so business to like, like just, I don't know. It, it just takes everything I out of, I can't know. Like I actually once assumed somebody meant life partner and it wasn't, it was their business partner. And I, I, I can see, I don't know. I just feel like we have to come up with something better. I understand boyfriend and girlfriend is kind of cheesy. Well, apparently Metalopoly was having that thought process as well. So we needed that clarification, but we're glad you guys are here this evening. I can't believe they haven't known all this time. I can't believe that. Yeah. Like if I were watching us for the amount of time that they've been watching us, you would think that you would just kind of, I don't know. You guys think we act like we're brother and sister? He's more like Kramer than I would say a brother. Like he's he's our Kramer. We have an update for what's going on in East Palestine. I got it right. Okay, love you, Double K. Not mother and son. I appreciate that. Governor DeWine. Palestine. Said, that's what I said. Okay. Governor DeWine said President Biden is well. Is that really his name? <laughs> said President Biden, as well as senators and representatives from Ohio, have been reaching out to offer help. But he said he doesn't feel further assistance is needed now. Uh, okay. Well, why, why do people think that the, that covering up something of this magnitude is the right well, way to go? It's the same thing as when they're the ones conducting the testing, right? Like the, 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 li- the liable source is the one that's conducting the testing. We have... We've investigated ourselves and we found out we've done nothing wrong. It's basically what he said. <laughs> but that's always how it goes with these things. Because even when, and, and, and quite honestly, the EPA is sort of in the bias category, though. It's the same difference because it's kind of like, you know, that's going to, that is connected with the propaganda about Joe and Pete and all of that. The EPA is going to fall in line. Yeah, this is going to be I mean, so much worse than people think. I'm freaked uh, out. And I really... I can't, all I can thinking about is, is the video with the foxes. Screw you, Jordan, for putting that image in my head. Like, yeah, that's what I needed. No, seriously, you could have told us without showing us. Although really, and unfortunately, the person, it's having this effect on me. I hope it has it on other people, but I'm freaking out about the foxes. When I... <clears throat> I don't want to take anything away from, you know, the loss of life that obviously happens with, um, you know, with humans. But, you know, when you think about what has happened, when you hear the stories already, not just the foxes, but the cats and the dogs, it's just, I mean, it's a gut punch in a way that I don't think people fully grasp. And it's like when people don't understand when we try to explain why you need a universal health care system in this country. And Kim Iverson, if you see this, I don't like the way you framed that question to Jimmy the other day. Please. Medicare for all, universal health care remo- is removing the for-profit middlemen in between us and our doctors that do not need to exist. We have a for-profit economic system in all co- at all costs, which means that if a train derails, 
He's got to do I, something. You have like a frog. Yeah. All right. Mute it for a second. Okay. Hold on. That was so scary. It's like, like a horn. You know, it was not it was, good. No, like it sounds like it's. You like sound really like you've got congested. something. You sound like you're congested in your throat. I'm. Oh, I said that I was. Oh, good um, God! Do you have like a, a lozenge or anything like that? Yeah, sure. I just carried those. No, around. I don't know. You Maybe always you ask me stuff like you have a. You don't have any chance to have a this while we're sitting here, and that is not the no. first time. And it'll usually be some random thing. Do you? Are there any? Inside? I have weed. I have water. That's what I have. That's it. That's all I need. What about man. inside? Anything? I'm sure there's something in there, man. I don't know. I'll be right back. Oh, for the love of all that is holy. All right, guys. So <laughs> he'll be right there. He'll be right back. But um, and I don't know what you know, we're waiting on a guest. I I that Peter had arranged. Apparently, we're speaking with um the head uh or the Liberty Lockdown podcast guy, Clint Russell. And I really don't know that much about about him. And of course, Peter arranged that. And I know you guys know I hate sitting here and talking to a camera. Like this is why it ended up being like both him and I on the screen. Because when I started out doing this, for the amount of time that it was me before a guest came on, I just really don't, I, I really don't like talking to a camera. And I know that you guys are out there, but it's just really kind of not my, uh, not my normal thing. I do much better when there's actual people, uh, when I'm talking. So uh, I think that the kind of things that we're going to talk about, I mean, you know, I know Peter and I always talk about trying to find common ground. And so I did a little homework on Clint Russell. So right, you know, here he is. So I did, you know, I didn't really know of the podcast. And so I did a little research and I had to find um, a couple of clips. So I know who it is I'm going to be speaking with. And I found this video um, and I cannot remember whose YouTube show it was because it was somebody interviewing him and they were talking about Penn Jillette. And I just really like, there were so many things that I agreed with on that. And I'm not, I don't label, I don't label myself anyist. You guys know, like I'm not an ist, I'm not an an, like I'm just a, I'm just me. I'm just Jen. Uh, so I don't really have a label. I'll just tell you what I believe. And that's that. And you could, you could label it how you choose. Um, I've been called communist. I've been called fascist. I've been called a lot of things. <laughs> There's a lot of ists. Um, so hi, Clint, I see you. And I'm going to bring you on as soon, or, as soon as Peter comes, because he's the one who really does the best introductions. And he had to go deal with his scratchy throat for a second. Um, so I think one of the main things I think we obviously want to talk about with um, fellow libertarian as far as civil liberties go is obviously we could talk about the shooting situations because you guys know that that's something where um, people on the left tend not to like me uh, because I do actually support um, Second Amendment. And I also don't think that the problem is the guns. Like, I just don't think that's the problem. I, I think that you, and also I'm just pretty much a staunch Bill of Rights person. And, you know, so that's the same thing. So we're going to talk about some of that. And you guys know, I always have my little constitution handy. And unless there's anything else, you guys, money come. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't trust anything that they're going to say about the testing that they do in East Palestine. I, there's no way. I mean, until you really have somebody in there, that's an independent monitor and not somebody that has political or financial gain in telling people that it's safe to go back one or the other. Uh, there has to be somebody that has nothing to gain in direction either way, making that assessment. And then, then I say, okay, well then that's based on science 
And I think until that point, we need to do what we can to help people that are kind of stuck, like the guy with the fox farm. You know, it's one thing to say, oh, people can evacuate. But what do people do when you have, you know, especially in rural areas where you have like farm animals and stuff? You know, it's like that's it's not just their pets and their, you know, it's their it could be their livelihood, too. And once that gets ruined, it's ruined. So, you know, to say that it's okay when it's not okay is just not okay. Um, So I'm going to actually go ahead and I'm going to bring Clint in because he's being so nice. And I'm going to say, hi, Clint. I'm Jen. Hello, Jen. I'm Clint. Nice to meet you. you. So I I really hadn't heard of you. I'm kind of, you know, not Peter definitely is much wider birth than me in terms of like how many different podcasts and people he listens to. Um, But he always likes to talk about how we have so much in common libertarians and people that we say is the progressive left. And that's and there are a lot of things. And I've always been somebody because of how I feel about things like civil liberties, where I have found that sometimes I'm so far to the left that I come back around to the right and connect with people <laughs> that are over there. Like it's sure. and especially when we're talking things like anti-war. So, yeah. I mean, there's there are a lot of similarities. And so, yeah. And now he's here, which is makes it much better because he usually does the introductions. Oh, uh, no problem. Clint, nice to meet you. Uh, Peter. Peter. Uh, yeah, I've been, um, much better. Oh, I got my Superman hair. You do. Um, no, I was, uh, apparently I was dealing with a frog stuck in my he throat. He had a frog so in I his throat. Some warm water and just like deal with that. So you're in Miami, right? I am. Yeah. All right, cool. Yeah, no, we've got, uh, got a nice little contingent of, uh, content creators. Um, Jen was on Tim Pool's show back in the day and, uh, just found out that Luke Rutowski, uh, moved down to Miami as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I so. was. I was on Tim Pool last month and I talked to Luke about it. Um, we're not exactly neighbors, but he's around me. I'll leave it at that. So uh, what brought him on your radar? Like, what was your inspiration for reaching out? Because, you know, for me, it could be a myriad of things. Like, I'm sure we could pick, like, I don't know. I want to know what I usually have to know. What was the spark that said we need to talk about this with this person and start there? Well, well I can I can help. On my end, uh, I'll be at the uh, the Rage Against War rally on Sunday, speaking with you know Kim Iverson and Jimmy Dore and everybody else. So um, I'm sure we we have plenty of agreement on that front. Oh, but yeah. uh, if if he's got more connections, go for it. Well, I know that you are friends with Mr. Smith, and I think that there mm-hmm. are a lot of crossover between uh, the populist left and the populist right, particularly with progressives and libertarians, when the conversation is. Uh, you know, about specific core issues that I think most of us agree upon. The issues that tend to have a lot of disagreement are on wedge issues. But even something as simple as COVID, you know, my attitude was always, if you want to get vaccinated, get vaccinated. Don't and when force- you say wedge issues, I don't ever think I have issues with libertarian on wedge issues because libertarians generally don't give a shit about wedge issues, which is what makes them more reasonable. Sure. No, I definitely think that that is true. I uh, mean, they, they don't, they, they're, that's completely like doesn't fall in their thing. But I think Not usually, I, you know. Yeah. yeah. But I think that civil liberties is a core component to the things that we're fighting for these days. I mean, every single day we look around and there's another, you know, f- form of our liberty that is being taken away. And I, I just, it boggles the mind that there are so many people that are just ready, willing, and able to accept having their liberties taken away because they think it's protecting them in some capacity. Always. Well, that's why they put, that's the fear base. And what are your thoughts on how that's working right now? Well, I could just say preach, brother. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that that's what activated me. That's what got me involved. I mean, the name of my show is Liberty Lockdown. I, I started in May 2020. I was so floored that there was no 
real opposition to what I thought at the time and now can definitively prove was one of the most insane premises that has ever been propagated on the American people, much less the world, which is that locking down the economy to deal with an airborne pathogen is at all sane. That is the stupidest thing you could possibly do. It makes me furious that there was no opposition towards it. Uh, so I got involved. And because I was one of the few voices that was really pissed off, uh, I think that it it <clears throat> found me a, a significant audience in a very short amount of time. And that's how I'm here. So I agree. Civil liberties is... I mean, they're they're like foundational. You have yeah. to have those to be free. And and we are letting them erode very rapidly. What disturbs me more than anything is that oftentimes the the good left, as I call them, they, they were the vanguard of civil liberties oftentimes when yeah. it came to governmental spying or whatever. And now or free speech or, yeah, you know, like protest, like all these things that now they have completely abdicated that role. And it, it disturbs me deeply that it's become such a partisan issue and there's such a such a control over the media narrative that the the establishment left is one that will defend FBI spying, for instance. Like, right. that's crazy to me when it oh. suits them. Now, right. if it were something that was done on the other team. Then yes. it would. Right. Then, so, it, then it'd be a problem. Then oh, civil liberties would matter again. Yeah. Right. No, generally, uh, you know, I always think to me, the whole purpose of government is to protect our civil liberties, not to encroach on them. Yes. And the, theoretically, the, uh, yes. Theoretically. Right. Like <laughs> yes. that's and I like that's the perp like for me, that's something that's very important to me. And I have always been really very adamant about things like, you know, the First Amendment. I actually remember reading the Patriot Act. Um, that was fun. And yeah. so, you know, and I remember when people were so pro Obama and then he reinstated the thing mm -hmm. and all of the stuff. And it really, the fact that there's people to me that still don't see how they're the same, that it really is the same. If you're propagating war for the war machine, you're the same. Right. Well, <laughs> right? A, lot, a lot of people, um, uh, this is why, uh, you know, a lot of people think I'm I'm overly friendly with the right wing. But the reality is, is like in the early to mid 2000s, uh, a lot of people on the right wing would have thought I was a, a liberal because I found common cause because the left was activated against the war in Iraq and Afghanistan, for instance. Like they were doing what I was interested in, which was fighting back against war. Now it's been flipped on its head and the right is the only one that really talks loudly about the the russia ukraine proxy war that we've been participating in and so yeah i have more common cause with the right now but if it flips again then i'll have more common cause with the left like i i am anti-war that's what i am so if if either side of the political aisle gets sane and stops wanting nuclear war then you're my friend you're my ally and you that's right. how i look at it you can't <laughs> help so but true. think that this is a psyop by the deep state like it's very yes. hard not to think that oh well all of the sudden you know, the, the squad, if you will, is not going to be vocal on their anti-war chops. We have and to now, stop. We have to stop reinforcing the term the squad. And now you have this dependency on Matt Gates of all people <clears throat> to be the spokesperson to basically say we need to stop spending hundreds of billions of dollars yeah. on a war that can't be won. It's like and well, then we what get hate. Are we doing here? And then we'll get hate for saying something so, like in praise of that, you know, well, because everybody that, that just means you're being principled. Right. Well, it's just everybody's teams. Like what you were saying, it's like, and I even said this when in the beginning of the show is that 
I'm not an ist. I don't have a thing. You can label me where you find me. I'll tell you what I think about something. And then you decide if at the current moment in history, that's considered liberal or progressive or whatever name you want to call it. Right. Like, I don't know. I just don't, I don't, I don't identify, you know what? I don't identify with a group. Well, labels don't don't really matter at this point anyways, because uh, if you recall, people that were in opposition to lockdowns were called fascists. You know, people that were That's fighting for freedom. Exactly. Yeah. So, so like these labels are irrelevant. So I don't really give a shit what people call me, to be honest. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut. So I don't know. If no, no, no. Oh, by all means. Okay. By all means. Okay. Well, then. You're in Florida. Yeah. Were you here during COVID? Because we no. weren't really locked down. No, I migrated. Uh, I'm a, a refugee from the great state of California. I was born and raised, spent 37 years of my life there. And then lockdowns happened and I got the fuck out. Um, you know, that's why I was so activated that like my whole life, I was a mortgage broker, very successful, mm-hmm. become a podcaster in Florida from San Diego to Florida. I mean, like my life is, you know, been totally turned upside down because of this nightmare hellscape that we were put through for no fucking reason at all. So, uh, yeah, I am. I am definitely uh, <laughs> I, am, I am a radical at this point. I, I mean, I've been a libertarian my entire life, but I, I became a very outspoken one when the entire world lost its mind. And you know, I'm grateful for people like you guys are classifying yourself as being on the left. Well, God bless. You don't sound like the modern left to me. You sound like the good left that I once knew. And uh, I'm grateful to find that there are more people like you out there. Yeah, we. I, I always say to people, I'm the actual left. Right. I'm the actual left. I stand. We stand with labor. We stand with workers. <laughs> we stand, I see this as a class war um, and I sure. stand with labor. And, and so whatever, and that can be people that either they're pro-choice or not pro-choice, you know, that can be a whole range of people. And I just think that when you see the big picture and you realize you got to stop punching sideways and punching down, that Mm -hmm. that's what I know. And, and anything I can do to encourage people to be like kind of aiming their anger in the correct direction, that's my contribution to the cause. Yeah, and, it be, well, and it would be one thing when they had the lockdown, if it was actually a lockdown that was meant to do anything positive. You know, they talked about the aspect of potentially expanding, you know, universal health care to everyone to deal with the ramifications of this pandemic, which was very serious. If they were going to do some form of a UBI temporarily so that people could survive while they tried to get this thing under control. And they did nothing. And California <laughs> is a great example of rules for thee, not for me. There were things that the governor in particular was implementing that was always making the working class suffer and the elite were always going to benefit from it. I saw what was going on in Los Angeles in particular with certain uh, film projects that were going on. We all know what happened when he went to this fancy restaurant (laughs) in, uh, you know, he's a douche in the well, yeah, I mean, he thinks he's going to be president Uh, (laughs) that, you know, when he went to that fancy restaurant in uh, Napa Valley and. The wine you know, that should, the, well, yeah. Same French thing laundry. Yeah. I mean, a $600 a plate dinner or whatever the hell it was. It's like, if you're not, if you can't prove just how elite you are by what you say, by what you do, that would be a great example of that. Yeah. And I can certainly understand why people are just completely turned off by this nonsense. This isn't red versus blue. No. This is the haves versus the half nots, if there ever was. Well, to a large extent it is, but I, I would also say like, <clears throat> even, if, even if Gavin Newsom w- were a true believer, and he was locked down and masked up and social distancing. Like he's still wrong and he's still out of his fucking mind. So like, I don't care about the hypocrisy. I care about him being a tyrant and forcing <laughs> everyone under his rule to do the same thing when it's completely unscientific. That's what really disturbed me about it. I don't care that he goes and has dinner. I want him put it in prison. 
Like that's what I want him to be put in prison because he violated the constitution for an entire two years and no one cares. So that's uh yeah, I am, I am definitely not a fan. And if he becomes the president of the United States, I will leave the country. I cannot have this lunatic rule over me. He is absolutely to his core evil. And let me, let me also just mention briefly because uh, there's there's one area that I really disagree with uh, left-leaning people when it comes to standing with labor. Some of the people that were hurt the worst during the pandemic were not, I grant you, big capital benefited tremendously. Small businesses and even medium-sized businesses were devastated by this. Oh, yes. yeah. And these are, I mean, that right. is not, that is not labor. That is, you know, no, they own yeah. the means of production. <laughs> they're like, they're the small business owners. Those people deserve our defense and our voice as well. And, and I feel like if you, if you get too much into the class warfare thing where it's the has versus have nots, that doesn't a lot, a lot of people on the left, not saying you guys, but a lot will then classify the small business owner also oh, yeah. as part of the problem. And I just think that's a huge mistake. Well, anyone who yeah. thinks that small no, no, business no. owners are the problem, we, we do. The problem. We, we have segments promoting small business on here. Like we, we're, we're very big. Yeah. Like that's I, one I, of our I, I just wanted to make the clarification because I think that yeah. oftentimes, like if someone's turning in, that's a fan of mine and I sit here and I just allow that to go without like clarifying, I think that they'll, they'll get mad at me. So I had to make the clarification. Yeah. No, when I say things like we stand with labor, when I look at businesses like Amazon and Walmart and some of these people and how they treat their workers and how they treat their employees, you know, those are people that are controlling our policy because basically they own our government. And, exactly. and the problem hey, with that is. And, ESG. Yes. And so and so that's my concern. And so, no, I don't classify, you know, small, medium sized businesses right. uh, in that category. And yet if people were abusing their employees, that would not be cool at any level. But no, when I think of a class war, it's those people are with us. Like I think of like working people are people that go to their business every day and unlock the doors and, and have their payroll and, and all that. Like those are right. those to me are in the we're in the same group. Okay. Well then that's fair. Uh, I don't think we have much disagreement. I think that the, the reason that I I get sensitive about it is because, you know, I was a small business owner and I was very successful. And a lot of people would say, Oh, you've acquired too much wealth, Clint. You you, you have, we have to, we have to, you know, steal half of it and give it away or whatever, or 90% of it. If you're talking to Bernie Sanders and um, you know, the, I think that there's a huge mistake when people start talking about the 99% versus the 1%, which is what Bernie Sanders really made his name off of the 1%. uh, It's really the 0.01%. Like those are the people that really run shit. And I feel like, like we, if you get too, if you don't get specific enough, then you end up dividing people where they shouldn't be. Like the guy who owns like a car dealership or something like he ain't, the people that's really running the world folks, no. you know, like that guy's like, he's, he's grinding out a living and he's trying to take care of his family. I'm talking about Larry fucking Fink, CEO yeah. of BlackRock. That dude runs the world. Like, yeah. do you guys care about him? Like, cause that's our enemy. We can, we can Correct. come together in saying like, that is our shared enemy. I will agree with that. Well, you say yeah. that you were a mortgage lender. I'm in commercial real estate and it's painfully obvious that these massive private equity firms are the bane of our existence. There's a reason why people cannot, you know, gain equity. They can't purchase anything. Florida is guilty of it. You want to go after DeSantis on something? That's something you can go after him on. Because well, what what's happening? Well, again, we have no, the the National Association of Realtors 
absolutely loves this guy. And mm. there's something to be said for not having any type of regulation whatsoever when it comes to the real estate industry, when it comes to these massive corporations coming into places, you know, just outside Orlando, like the villages and buying up these entire communities where they mm -hmm. basically mm -hmm. make everybody uh, a renter. The, the ability right. to own property, which is the main goal if in a capitalist system, is that everyone has the opportunity to accumulate some form of wealth so they don't have to work till they're dead. To me, sure. that's a huge problem, and we're not talking about it. It's a huge economic I, I agree. problem. I and agree. That is, and that has nothing to do with small business owners. So right. anyone who's pointing the finger at small business, again, Cannot. Yeah. No, we're talking we're talking BlackRock, State Street, Vanguard. They have tens of trillions of dollars under management and they're using it and directing it towards a I mean, a pretty large asset class, but one small compared to like U.S. Treasuries or something like that. The real estate market and the single family residential market in particular, <clears throat> um, you know, when you when you push people out of that, when you when you it's it's very complicated, but. Because of the Federal Reserve's manipulation of interest rates, it has made it so that we have a consistently inflationary environment, which means that you are obligated as a human being, if you want to rise from poverty to the middle class or the middle class to the upper class, that you get your foot on that economic rung of the ladder. And that rung always starts with your personal residence. And if you can't do that, then you are basically doomed to be a wage slave for the rest of your life. And it's tragic because people don't understand the root. So they only focus on BlackRock, State Street, Vanguard. The real problem here and the real culprit and the reason I'm a libertarian is because the interest rate manipulations that come from the Federal Reserve are really the reason that people are being priced out because they have created this cycle that they manipulate to their own gain. Well, Everybody else suffers and only the, the protected class are the ones that benefit ultimately. And it's deeply, deeply problematic. Yeah. I mean, obviously, we agree that a huge chunk of that is the military industrial complex and the amount of money that of goes to them. And, you know, that's something that we know is the reason we're in perpetual war. It's very profitable. It's extremely profitable. And so they're always going to find a reason. You know, there's always going to be a weapons of mass destruction. I was, by the way, then... Um, I, I'm, I'm a lot older. And so then I remember thinking there's no weapons of mass destruction. This is ridiculous. This is just a no. pretense. And I feel like I live in Groundhog Day. Yeah, well, you do. Because we are. It's just false flag after false flag and, and lie after lie and sigh up after sigh up. I mean, that's that's what the Russia-Ukraine situation is. I've done an episode of my show called The War They Wanted, if anybody wants to go check it out. Unfortunately, I got nuked from YouTube, so you'll have to find it on, on audio only. Um, but it is it is the entire history of you know 2014 up to the present when you get to see John McCain and Lindsey Graham over in Ukraine in 2018 talking about next year's the war of offense and the war of offense being a civil war and the bombing of the East in the Donbass region. It's like, look, this has been a provocation from the West and you have to be out of your goddamn mind not to see it. So that yeah. doesn't mean that Putin's a good guy. And that doesn't mean that he's justified in doing what he's Lent, doing. And you're introducing nuance, nuance. into the conversation. We, we don't allow nuance. I'm going to be nuanced. I don't care. <laughs> but we've said that often, you know, like I, both things can be true. I yes. can disagree with Putin invading Ukraine, and I can also recognize that we have been, I always compare it to the little brother in the back of the car going, I'm not touching you. I'm yes. not touching you. And then eventually the older brother snaps and breaks the kid's finger, and then that's the bad guy. And well, then the parent's okay. mad at the kid, yeah. Exactly. Right, right. And that's what I see here. And again, I'm not suggesting that 
it's okay and the you and the people in Ukraine should just be screwed. Like I mean, at this point though, to not acknowledge our part in it is why we keep having Groundhog Day. Yes. Yeah. And and the gaslighting that goes along with that where it's like it's yeah. like look, it, we have it in their own words. We have it in their own words of them saying they wanted this. Like this is where it was headed all along. You have you have writers that were or not writers, but you have uh I god, I forget his name. He was a in the political class that went on, I think it was the Colbert report saying like, look, we've been doing this right under Putin's nose. And the only reason we don't advertise it is because we don't want him to flip out and invade Ukraine. Like they admitted it. Like this was the whole thing. They, I mean, they didn't necessarily want Putin to invade, but they very much wanted to control Ukraine to undermine Putin's, you know, sphere of influence. It's just crystal clear. Like you'd have to be out of your mind not to want to do that, but it still is evil to do it. And it's okay for the American people who don't want to die in nuclear hellfire to say, you guys catalyze this conflict. You cannot clean your hands of it. And you certainly can't then turn around and rob me blind for the rest of my fucking life, all in hopes that you can maintain what ultimately is a slush fund for corruption in Ukraine. Everybody knows it. It's been like that forever. It's one of the most corrupt countries in Europe or the world, really, politically. So it's just tragic. It's tragic that people have been so indoctrinated. They have no idea of the reality of the situation. They think that, that they've been totally put into these tribalistic camps where it's like, well, we have to defend democracy. Defend democracy in Ukraine, or the, the country that had a coup in 2014. Like, what are we even talking about here? It's just catchphrases and lies, and no one has a clue what's actually transpiring unless you've dug really, really deep. And if you have, then you're labeled as Russian misinformation, and you're labeled as a Putin apologist, and you're labeled as a fascist. And, you know, it's uh, it's just, it's infuriating. So, yes, I agree with you. Groundhog yeah. Day is a good way to describe it. It is. And something that you said before that I find interesting was when you refer to somebody like Gavin Newsom as a fascist, and it's one of the reasons you relocated to Florida, and what's so ironic to me are the amount of people in the Democratic Party here that refer to Ron DeSantis as a of fascist. Of course, of it's course. But, but, but he's a, like, and when you look at it by definition, the things he's done is, is not that in a sense when you say, well, yeah, he didn't lock down. Right. He didn't do that. Like that was what really impeded people's constitutional rights. Like there are things like that. I mean, I can only right. say this so far before he's I very label the DeSantis lover. He's very authoritarian when it comes to the culture war. Now, there are yes. many reasons why he's doing that. Yes. He's definitely running for president. It's just a question of when he's going to get in the race. Yeah. And I think that you've when you hone in on these very specific areas, like what is being taught in the classroom, what isn't being taught in the classroom. That's where he's getting a little too invasive. And to me, one mm -hmm. of the big problems we have in the state of Florida is we have a charter school industrial complex where the public school systems oh, yeah. have been drastically destroyed. And this comes, you know, from the fact that the Democratic Party in the state is completely feckless. California has way better schools than we do. And I wouldn't even use California as an example. You use Maybe. They're, they're <laughs> no, I know state. they do. Well, you know, you know, a state that's very conservative, that has an excellent school system is Utah. You know, mm -hmm. use Utah as an example of a state that doesn't have this type of nonsense. In Florida, it gets to the forefront because the culture war for a lot of people is a way of making a lot of money. There is a way to figure out how to push certain buttons and tell people you're going to teach this, you're going to do that. For us, it really, I mean, at least for me it personally, it comes down to what you're learning in the classroom, in the public school, is up to you, the parents, and the school board to decide what is in your best interest. There is an infringement component that I do believe DeSantis has been running with, 
But I also believe he's doing it because he's going to do what he's going to do. And then once he's in the presidential race, obviously, he's not going to pay any attention to what this is anymore because his priority is not going to be Florida. It's going to be South Carolina. It's going to be New Hampshire. It's going to be Iowa. It's going to be a whole different slew yeah. of things. But I think ultimately the, the economic war is where we need to have our primary focus. And right now it's not there. And to me, that's very dangerous considering the times we're living in right now. Well, I think if you're going to deal with the, the economic circumstances, you have to focus on the Federal Reserve and no no one on any political stripe is discussing that whatsoever, um, which is why, once again, I'm a libertarian because it's the most important thing and no one gives a shit about it and it drives me out of my mind. Uh, because I was a mortgage broker, I really understand the power of interest rates deeply. And, and like people just don't get it. And on top of that, they have com control over M2, They like the money supply. Like it's insane that people just like accept that. Like, oh yeah, of course, of course the fucking federal government or some allegedly, you know, quasi private institution should have control over how much money exists and the interest rate at which you can borrow it. Like it's crazy. But I wanted to, to get back to DeSantis. Um, I'm not a fan of his. <laughs> believe it or not. Like, I think that if he were to run for president, I probably wouldn't vote for him. I think that he has neo neoconservative tendencies that concern me greatly. His, his bills against, uh, you know, anti-Semitic hate speech nonsense is terrible and it's, it's counter to free speech, which I believe in deeply. And obviously I love Jewish people. It has nothing to do with anti-Semitism. Yeah. I just, I just don't want you to be able to, you know, curtail my speech. If I were to say something about Israel, fuck you is what I have to say to that. So, uh, you know, I think that he's not a good president, uh, like can candidate. I think that he's probably largely fraudulent and he's probably playing into the, the conservative culture war. But I would, I would caution you guys about ignoring their genuine complaints about the culture war when it comes to the schooling curriculum. I personally am concerned by it too. I think that there is a tremendous problem with much of the intersection intersectionality that's being taught in elementary school in particular. If you're in college, I don't really give a shit what they teach you at that point, but if you're teaching elementary school kids that their skin color matters and that they're different and one's a victim and one's a, you know, like, I don't like any of that. And I know it doesn't happen in every school, but to pretend that it's not happening in some is a complete lie. Um, so I don't really want DeSantis involved in setting the curriculum, but I would also like it if they stopped teaching our kids that. So if that's not going to be dealt with on a cultural level, it's going to be dealt with by some strong armed, you know, right wing. Authoritarian. Yeah. <clears throat> so, well, that's the thing. That's where he comes off as authoritarian. And that's the kind of stuff that I don't like. And what we are talking about in specific here, I don't know if you know, the, you know, the whole AP course, right? Mm -hmm. So this is not a required course. It's an AP level high school course, which is essentially a college course, because if you get the AP credit, it's it's a college level course. And it's not something that you're required to take. And the fact that this is a national program that scholars and people who are historians and people have actually put together to teach that the fact that he would flat out reject that. It's one of those things where how I used to think of Arizona, like purposefully not celebrating Martin Luther King Day. It's kind of like, you know, we're just saying that if it's a national program, it should be afforded to the students in our schools at an AP level. I, I honestly, I don't know enough about it to say. Yeah. And, and if it's an AP level, does that mean high school or college? It's high school. But right. when you take it, you get college credit. It's considered it. collegiate level course. Yeah, I should have so, remembered that. I took AP classes. I just forgot because yeah. it's been so long. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think that kids in high school are are better prepared to deal with some bad ideas, which I think that there may be some bad ideas in this curriculum personally. However, 
it's my greatest concern though, is really the middle school elementary kids. Like the fact that you have, and whether it's curriculum or not is kind of separate from the point you have teachers that are going to what I believe are largely Marxist indoctrination centers at, which is our academia at this point. And they come out deeply believing that the like racial divides and are the way we alleviate the historical injustice of racism is to focus on our skin color today. And I just could not disagree with that more. And I think that it's really backwards and sick and it's going to destroy our country. And I really believe that. And, you know, until people like start to really have some consideration for the people that are concerned about this curriculum, you're going to end up with these strong armed, you know, right wingers that, that come down like an anvil. And, uh, I, I don't know, I don't know how we have a meeting of the minds on this one, honestly. you know, obviously I'm, I'm a private schooling, homeschooling type of guy, because that's what libertarians believe in. Um, but aside from that, as long as we have public schools and we're indoctrinating kids into what I think is a really counterproductive ideology, I think we're going to suffer terribly. So it's complicated. Once again, a a nuanced answer. Yeah. I would never argue that we have a good school system here, not in Florida, not in this country. And I think that that's a big part of the problem. I was just talking about this with someone the other day. Like when I see of people that are off grid and they're just doing, they're raising their kids they're there. That is the best way. Like, I wish that we had that. I agree. I think our public school system is complete indoctrination, both. And it's, it isn't even. And, and also for pro war too. It's not just leftist ideology. It's like, it's also a nationalist militaristic ideology oh, too. Yeah. So like on both fronts, it's terrible in my opinion. Yeah, no, actually in, in the third grade, I used to repeatedly get sent to the principal's office for failing to say the Pledge of Allegiance. This is when this started. Same, sister. Same. I got kicked out of of class, too. You did? And so, like, I never, it never sat well with me. I'm like, okay, first of all, I'm not pledging allegiance to anything. All right? That's not happening. And I'm certainly not pledging allegiance to a flag. And And I'm sure as hell not saying under God. So, you know, that's not happening. And so I would just stand respectfully. That's what I do. I stand because I don't want to be rude to people. So I stand, but I am not putting my hand over my heart and swearing, pledging allegiance. I just don't do it. Well, you should have been the original Colin Kaepernick. Everyone (laughs) should know your name. Uh, No, I'm with you. I I did the same thing. I got kicked out of class and I did it in high school. And I was like, this is, this is ridiculous. Like we're still doing this shit. Like I'm freaking 16 years old. What are we doing? Um, Yeah. I just, I think that that's part of the, the natural programming for nationalistic tendencies that allow for us to, to otherize the rest of the world and then propagandize the American people to, to feel as if, you know, our, our conquest or our liberation of the downtrodden in Iraq or Afghanistan or Libya or Syria or Somalia or Ukraine, or, you know, the list goes on and on that programming, that programming believes or begins very early in our lives. And it's part of it is standing and putting your hand over your heart and saying, you pledge allegiance to this flag. And I'm, I really don't think it's healthy. Just my opinion. I will say that I don't, and I love this country, by the way. Sorry. Go ahead. I love this country too. I don't believe that. I, I don't believe that public schools are, you know, indoctrin Marxist indoctrination centers. I mean, listen, I went, I, I did political science in college. They create I, cogs. I learned all about Marxist and Leninism and all that. It, at the end of the day, it all depends on, I think, in many ways, a reflection of where this country is right now. The current status of the cl- of the capitalist system that we have is basically <gasps> about to bless Excuse you. Me. It's about to run its way off of a cliff. And when that happens, it is very easy to persuade people that maybe the cloak and dagger is the way to go. 
maybe the way to go is to, you know, excuse me, I'm at the hammer and sickle. Maybe the way to do things is to try a completely different system that doesn't actually involve any type of a free market. It is very easy when millions and millions of people have been failed repeatedly. The people in East Palestine, they are going to be failed more ways than anyone could possibly imagine, whether it is in East Ohio, Flint, Kentucky, Flint, Michigan, Western Pennsylvania. People are going to suffer mightily. Yeah. Well, I'm just glad to see that the right wing actually cares about Palestine for once. Oh, that's a that's a good one. (laughs) It's Palestine. I know. I know. I'm just kidding. (laughs) But, but, But I do think that what you learn in school. You should be able to learn any form of economic theory uh, that is presentable, whether in public or private. And well, to me, if, the- if it's if it's broached in a manner of like this is the theory, not this is what we believe here. Uh, and and you can say that this this is not an indoctrination center. But when the professors, because I went to college, too, and I dealt with this, even though I graduated in 08. I still was seeing signs of it already. And I've talked to many people that are coming out of college now. And it is like these are overt proclaimed Marxists that are telling you what you have to believe in and say in order to pass their class. You don't think that's indoctrination? Oh, I would. That I would agree with. Okay, so then here's a hypothetical. So I was a philosophy minor in college and I actually took a class on Marxism. Yeah. And and I, well, I think there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. No, no, no. I chose to take that. It was part of like it was a course and it was fascinating. And of course, it was studying Karl Marx and the theories like sure. it, it, it is economic, like it, it is part of history. Right. Like that is something that exists. And so this class taught it from the perspective of this is what that is. So that when I hear people calling and using the ists for everybody, I'm like, no, actually, that's not what that is. My thing with the schools is I think they are totally creating little cogs to be in a machine. I think that they're that's trying true. to create little drones um, that just come out and nobody can afford to go to college. Nobody can afford to do anything. And they just end up having to go work for a machine. I'll give yeah. you a great, I'll give you a great example. Okay. Um, I did not know about Black Wall Street in Tulsa, Oklahoma mm-hmm. until maybe two years ago. I never heard about it. Never once mentioned. And it again, there were multiple. That's yeah. one of, that's one of like, I think there were like five or six or something centers. Sure. Like that. When yeah. you want to talk about the racial divide in the United States, if you're not going to teach that, if you're not going to teach that the black community has thrived one time or another, and there yeah. are reasons why they have not been able to thrive. You want to talk about redlining, blockbusting. You want to talk about the deliberate moves by the federal government to keep neighborhoods segregated. And yes, there are racist scum that are out there that wave the Confederate flag. Those are not, that's not the problem. They don't affect your ability to live. The people who are on the school board can affect your ability to live. Of course. And And that's the misnomer that people don't want to talk about. Yeah. Let me hop in. Cause I, I, I agree with you. And, and for the record, like I took a black, I think it was either black or African studies class and uh, in college. And I was very disappointed that they didn't include anything about Black Wall Street. Like, it's all about the suffering. It's not about the the moments in time where they have prevailed tremendously against all odds, which I think is a much more inspirational message. It's a message that if I were black, I would want to hear much more than my ancestors, you know, oppression uh, because it's more empowering. And I think that that's it's like you have to have a well-rounded approach to this thing. Yes, you have to understand the injustices. 
But you also have to understand that you have had times where your people, if you're going to identify in that fashion, which I would rather people not do, but if you're going to do it, I would rather you identify with your people and their struggle and then their striving and succeeding. And I feel like that gets left out far too often, uh, particularly when you're dealing with people that are of the belief in identitarianism and, uh, you know, basically all of this stuff that it's like victimization and an oppressor class. And it's like, if you just focus on that, I think you end up creating not just cogs in a wheel, but rather radical activists that are disempowered and can be led down really dangerous paths. And I see a lot of that. So, yeah, I mean, we, we think about it like you have, you have to teach history accurately, right? Like you teach <laughs> <Good> history <luck. laughs> accurately, right? It's not, it's people want in what they want in that, in that book. But when I think about why it's not taught, I do believe that the reason and the primary thing about subjugating black history in terms of the successes and the contributions that people, that black people have made all over the world and historically that they did have thriving cultures, that these were not, it's like, though, if you downplay that, it's a lot easier to other a group of people. It's a lot easier Big to fun. justify um, where people are socioeconomically when you basically don't talk about um, the, the, those things that we know are true now. Like things mm -hmm. I never really knew that. You know, I was taught, and this is somebody as an anti-Zionist Jew, that is, it was a huge awakening for me because we were taught that like, the Palestinian people, the Arab people were just these completely uncivilized savages. And had it not been for the white Ashkenazi Jews and Zionists coming in and, and settling that area, they would just, same as we did here, same as we did here. Okay. Like that whole thing, right? That's why we downplay um, the success, I believe, of black people in this country and their role in, like, I'll learn something all the time that I'm like, I can't believe I didn't know that. Yeah. The, the Tulsa massacre was one. There've been a lot. Yeah. And well, we're talking I mean, major things. Yeah, it's it's roots obviously tie back to slavery and the the ability to to you know dehumanize and otherize someone to the extent that you could feel justified in you know putting them in chains and making them work for you for free forever. You know, like you have to you have to believe that you're superior to that person otherwise there's no way you can live with yourself. So like it starts back then but it obviously has evolved and and changed slightly. Um, and, and it's terrible. It's a sickness to, to view people like that. So it's like, that's what, that's what disturbs me most about this though, is like, well, I can understand and agree with so much of what they will be teaching these kids and their kids usually, uh, about this topic. It ultimately is not one of empowerment. It is not one of problem solving. It is not one of seeking solutions and togetherness and coming together as one. Once again, it is all about division. It is all about separating us by the oppressor and the oppressed. And that those positions never change. I'm a straight white male. I will be a per, an, an oppressor forever. And if you're black and you're gay or whatever else, you are a victim forever. That is a sickness that if you think about the world that way, you will end up miserable and oftentimes violent because why wouldn't you be you're just you have no hope everyone's out to get you like i just think it's a terrible way to live life it's not how you succeed i promise you that i and just think that's the extreme like i think that's extreme and, and i definitely travel in circles that i i do know what you're talking about for sure yeah, i'm sure you've heard it for sure oh, i have <laughs> but i don't think that that's typical i don't think that that's typical when i think of the people trying to teach their kids like i I know a lot of people with kids in elementary school and stuff like that. And I just don't think that that's, I don't think that's the norm. Well, I think in Florida, maybe not in Florida, maybe not in, okay. uh, 
in you know uh san francisco uh public school system yeah damn well believe it is uh new york city yeah for sure i mean this is this is where those types of thoughts you know propagate and they become really entrenched so you know i look i'm not i don't even believe that there should be a department of education i don't believe in public education at all i don't think it should exist but you guys would expect that i'm a libertarian of course that's what i believe right. um but as long as it exists i'm not gonna agree on everything no. no no we're not um but as long as long as it exists i think that it's very important that we get some sort of sane curriculum by which these kids are being educated and and uh while i think it's very important that you be taught about history of race and racism and everything else it's got to be treated very cautiously otherwise you end up with some real real dangerous uh you know side effects that are trying to solve the problem but ultimately make it worse and i don't know you know i don't want to be in charge of setting that curriculum like i i'm certainly not even uh you know educated enough to do so but i think i could do a better job than most of these people that are doing it so uh it's concerning man it's just concerning. I, mean, I mean to me i think maybe the biggest issue in public education today is that the basic fundamentals of how to live and to survive and thrive in this world such as home ec and arithmetic very rarely if ever is taught in yeah. public school anymore if anything well, you kind of have to go to or economics you know, yeah economics and uh you know Taxes, small business, like there's so entrepreneurialism. There are so many things that we ought to be teaching our kids that we completely ignore. And then this goes into Jen's concept of, you know, creating cogs. Like if you yeah. don't teach kids about entrepreneurialism, well, what are they going to be? They're going to be a cog because they're not ever going to have the, the, you know, wherewithal or the belief in themselves or the idea set or the skill set to go out and try and do something on their own. So, yeah, I mean, this is where parenting comes in though. I mean, ultimately it's going to, wow. it's going to fall on the shoulders of the parent and not everybody is in a position of having a great parent and I feel terribly for them. Um, but I really think that parents need to step up, particularly after what we saw with the damage done to their you know, children's psyche uh, via masking and lockdowns and social distancing and everything else and the suffering that they're now dealing with and the consequences that they're dealing with in, in regards to that. Like parents have to get more involved in their childhood uh, in their child's lives. And I, I, I pray that if there's one good silver lining that comes from COVID is that parents are now realizing you cannot just entrust the state with your daycare for the rest of your fucking life. Like these kids need you to step up. Um, we'll see. Yeah. I, I, I will wait. Can I just say, cause before I lose my train of thought, I'm a little bit, I, I, I'm a, I'm a cannabis user. So just give me a second. <laughs> but what I, but, but, um, my son is in the 10th grade and he's, he goes to a private school because he really could not deal with standardized testing. My other son was able to be in, in public school. Just all kids are different, but sure. I just want to point out that the state of Florida now requires a financial literacy class. And, and what's interesting is, yes, it's a high school class. It's called financial literacy. And they learn about things like interest and taxes and, and stuff like that. Okay. Awesome. And it's a state requirement. So public and private school, um, is, has that. And so I think about, you know, all the people that they, they think that DeSantis is a fascist with the education because they don't like some of the stuff he's doing, but nobody right. talks about that. That is something that is happening and it's, it's fairly recent. So I'm just yeah. saying like I and and they have that. And also um, they do. Well, my son's school offers entrepreneurship, actually, and they have a whole club and whole thing. Yeah, that's my kid's thing. He has a yeah. little comic book business going. So awesome. this is how, yeah, this is how I <laughs> this is how I know. Like he goes and does shows now with his comics and like this whole thing. Um, I'm telling you, that kid's miles ahead of most. He's going to crush it. I love it. <laughs> that's no. interesting. Only you met him. No, no. <laughs> One of the things I wanted to bring up, because you said that I wanted to tax the American people at 90%, but it's actually not true. 
We once had a top marginal tax rate in the United States. That was 91%. That was under Eisenhower? That was under Eisenhower and Kennedy. (laughs) If you were to measure the actual taxation and what that would come out to, it would be about 42, 43%. Now, you can argue that that even a top marginal tax rate that would result in the richest paying 42 to 43% of their income towards taxes being too high Okay, we can have that debate, but you know, let's at least be clear in terms of you know what he was you know what he was gauging on is not we're just going to tax the rich at ninety percent across the board. However, from a libertarian's perspective, I would like to know how you feel about just taxation in general. Do you see it more as taxation is fine as long as it's the American people who decide how we're taxed, whether it's a question of you know us voting on taxes and deciding how it's properly allocated, if you think it just needs to be what Rand Paul has advocated for forever, which is a flat tax. Again, there's a lot of different ways that one can look at, you know, how do we provide for the common good? I think the biggest issue that most of us tend to agree on is universal health care. For us, I believe personally in a system that just eliminates the for-profit middlemen in between us and our doctors. They have no reason to exist. I do not want government-run health care I want government-funded health care. Which is our funds. Which is our, which is our funds. So how do ben, you do? I think I disagreed with everything you guys said there. Uh, which I is, didn't say anything. He spoke. Don't, okay, well, you, you said you, you added in. Uh, well, look, I, I, I believe deeply in my bones that taxation is theft because it's, it's involuntary That's and ultimately I, I will be put behind bars and a gun will be put to my head if I refuse to go behind bars if I don't pay. So that is coercive in nature and ultimately theft. So starting from that premise, obviously I would like the IRS to be abolished and the income tax to be abolished and then for private charity to step in and take care of one another. We're already the most charitable nation on earth and we're doing that with one of the most severe uh, taxation when it comes to the citizens, not to the corporations. The corporations get off scot-free. The citizens actually get taxed to death. Uh, as a single, you know, proprietor, sole proprietor, uh, entrepreneur, I paid over 50% in income taxes multiple years in a row, including state, which was uh, 13%, and then, uh, you know, almost 40% federally. So I was over 50%, half my income, you know? Yeah. So, uh, and and for the record, I, I understand that the 90% is on a, it, it's a graduated scale. It's it's only on, I think it was uh, income over 10 million a year. 10 million plus. Yeah. Um, so like, I'm aware of that, but it doesn't change the fact that it's fucking outrageous theft taking 90% of anyone's earnings. If they're making that, that amount of money, I think is, is just confiscatory insanity. And I think that anyone that runs on that ultimately doesn't believe in, I don't free markets or people keeping their own income. Uh, It just, it just breaks my heart that anyone would ever get to the point where they feel like the state owns 90% of whatever we produce. And if, if someone is producing that level of income because of their relationship to the state, which is the vast majority of people that make over $10 million a year, well then put them in prison. Awesome. I agree with you. That's corruption. It's cronyism. I hate all of the big businesses that do that. And I think that the size of the government is the reason that they're able to do that in the first place. So when it comes to like whether or not I believe we should have nationalized health care, the answer is no. The government is terrible at what it does. And if you think that they're just going to take your taxes and then give you back better health care for free, I got another thing coming. Probably ain't going to happen. And and I just think that it's it's a fool's errand to believe that they can do it. I I, I one of my sponsors for my show is Crowd Health. It's a community based insurance fund that you go into. It's not insurance, but in te- instead the community contributes money every month, and then the community that doesn't have any health issues that month, the rest have to step up and take care of that person's health bills. I think that's a that's a 
a structure. It's an idea. I'm not sure that it'll ultimately be enough to deal with everybody, obviously, um, but it is a step in the right direction of volunteerism and actually getting the the consumer and the provider back in contact with one another. The real problem here is that because you have those middlemen, which is the insurance company, and you also have the government involved in most of these instances, the, the consumer has no concern over what the doctor is billing. And because the doctor knows that, they charge outrageous sums. But they also have to do that because oftentimes they only get paid about 40% of what they bill Correct. because Medicare and Medicaid and everybody else beats the shit out of them as, as well as the insurance companies. So like, this is a multifaceted problem. And when people just go like, I, I love Jimmy Dore, I've talked to him multiple times, when he starts going down this path, this is where same same way we are right now. This is where we get derailed. I'm like, look, I could not disagree more. I think in trusting the government, particularly after we went through COVID and we saw what they're willing to do to us uh, under the name of health. Like, I don't know how you guys still trust these people. They're evil to well, their bones. Well, again, it's not government it's, run, though. It's just government. It is. If they're paying, they're running it. You're not in charge anymore. You know that. How do you expect to value currency if you don't have any taxation? Where does the value of our dollar come in? Oh, that's MMT nonsense. That's not that's not how the dollar gets any value. The dollar gets value largely because of the uh, the oil, the 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 exchange for oil globally. That's that's really the the once we migrated off of the the gold standard in 1971, um, and they went to the petrodollar standard. It was the agreement between Saudi Arabia and their willingness to only sell their oil in U.S. dollars that really started the underpinning for the U.S. dollar as the global reserve currency status. If it weren't for that, we would already have hyperinflation here. You couldn't print this level of money without it. So the reason that it, it, it still maintains its value is that the, the majority of global trade is done in the U.S. dollar. That's the reason. It's supply and demand. The supply is outrageously high, but the demand for dollars is outrageously high too because of the petrodollar system. And that's also the reason that our military industrial complex continues to conquer on behalf of Saudi Arabia as well as Israel uh, because they want to be able to defend the U.S. dollar's reserve currency status. And that's also why they hate Vladimir Putin because he migrated from the U.S. dollar system. They even kicked him off of SWIFT and now he is doing a gold-backed currency and they cannot allow that because that undercuts their entire fiat model. So once again, sorry, not a not a quick answer, but uh, that's that's the reason. We have a lot of <laughs> MMT supporters here. We would obviously yes. love to have you debate our good friend Steve Grumbine of Real Progressives, who was bring it on, bring it on. I've already done it before. Oh, you know Steve? <laughs> no, no, no. I've debated I've debated people on MMT before. Uh, okay. No, Steve is great. No, he's actually a former libertarian. Um, he is a huge advocate, uh, obviously, of the MMT premise written by Stephanie Kelton, uh, the deficit myth. But yep. I I do uh, to a degree understand where you're coming from. The idea of the petrodollar basically being our you know dependency when it comes to the value of what our currency is. So from your perspective and from a, from a true libertarian perspective, what you would want to see is us get off the petrodollar and the Fed and go back to the gold standard. It, is that fair? Is no. that how you would see it or no? No, actually. Uh, I mean, I think that there are, private currency is what I would like to see. So if that's Bitcoin, if that's gold, if it's gold-backed currency that is then, you know, based off of gold reserves, uh, but then lever it up, that's fine too. As long as it actually has some hard asset at the at the bottom of it, then it can't be inflated into confetti like we're doing with the US dollar and every fiat currency the world over. I mean, that's what we've been doing. So I would like to see any currency that's backed by anything real. That would be great. That'd be a step in the right direction. 
So are there things you would be willing to make any concessions on since you are not anywhere near the majority? In fact, it's a minority. <laughs> but are there things that you would be willing to, you know, because obviously the chat's getting feisty because they don't like the fact Love that you're basically like live off the grid, survival the fittest type of attitude. It's what it is. That's fine. Everyone's, you know, the one thing we learn with our podcast is that if we all just lived in a bubble, and only wanted to hear the same thing over and over again about, hey, yeah, everyone agrees with me, then you're not really living in the real world because everyone no. has different opinions and about yeah. you know how we Every Everybody has different opinions from me. I'm so accustomed to being the only person that thinks the way I do. I'm totally used to it. So it's totally fine. Go ahead. And yeah, I fire. felt like that my whole life really as somebody who was like an atheist. That was a long one for me, like being sure. the only kid who didn't believe, you know, like those types of things. I've often been that kid. Same with the pledge, the whole thing. Yeah. So I, I appreciate, I appreciate that. And I always have people that want me to debate people on things. I'm not debating anybody. I don't <laughs> feel the need to debate. Oh, I, I really I, don't. I, I debate all the time. I, I love it, but uh, I totally respect that too. And, and what's interesting. So I, I used to be a litigator, which is what's so ironic. And I wasn't even into that in terms of the arguing thing. Like I'm just, I don't feel the need to argue. This is how I feel. If I see facts that show me something to the contrary, I, I consider myself very reasonable. I'm going to look at what I think makes the most sense for the greater good. Like that's just yeah. how I'm going to analyze. And that'll fall in many places, depending on what the, what the you know scale is that you're using. That's why I don't like to say I identify as this. You know, because when I say things like I don't support assault weapons ban, I don't support, I'm against bans and mandates. I'm against bans and mandates. That's just not my thing. I've said it a bazillion times. Yeah. It's just not my, not my bag. Well, um, an insurance mandate for the nation. That's, uh, I don't know. Anyways, I, I just wanted to say things that I am willing to compromise on. I mean, I don't, I don't think that we necessarily need to compromise. What we need to do is accept the fact that we have very, very different ideological frameworks by which we are now basically forced to be enemies when we don't need to be. What we need to do is go back to states' rights and allowing different state models to have different economic models, diminish the, the power at the federal level to as far down as humanly possible, and allow for the states to try my version of anarcho-capitalism or some state-based capitalism a la China or some socialist model or some Marxist model. Like, try it all. Go back to the 50 state idea where we can actually then congregate with people that are of like mind, because at this point we are so far apart. Like, yes, you and I, all, all three of us can come together on, on the anti-war stuff and yes. some, other, some other civil liberties defense. But at the, at the root, if you believe in MMT, we can't coexist. Like I believe in sound money and MMT believes that you can print as much money as possible. And it doesn't matter because the taxes underpin it and blah, 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 blah. I know, I know the whole MMT thing. I've read up, I've debated on it multiple times. I respectfully, I will never, I will never come over to that side of the fence and all respect to your chat. I'm sure they all hate me for saying it, but I'm just telling you my honest opinion. And, uh, and I think that, you know, because we have a federal currency system, I can't be free. I can't live my life. I can't live the way I want to live unless I become that lone wolf that goes into the, the cryptocurrency precious metal type thing. Like I'm forced into that position because I, uh, there's a federal monopoly on the creation of currency that, that then creates boom bust cycles that I have to languish under. And it's not fair to me. So, and if you guys think that you can get away with that and not have inflationary uh, death spirals, then 
give it a go, but do it in a state. Like I'm happy. You guys can keep Florida. I'll go to New Hampshire, but you got to <laughs> give me one. You got to give me one landmass that I get to try out my ideology. You guys can have the rest. I don't give a shit. I just want one. And it's I like, will, I, will say this. I would say that I this, like New Hampshire. I would say that New Hampshire, <laughs> New Hampshire might be the best run state in the whole country. It's also very small. It's the free state. Yes, but let's all be realistic. It's very small. It's very like non-densely populated. So Mm -hmm. that it might be a very perfect for libertarians. There's like none of them. Not only that, it actually would be, and it would be like the perfect little microcosm. I would actually argue now that it is kind of like that. Um, You you actually would probably very much like New Hampshire because that is one of the things about it. Like it's they are very like that. (laughs) That's why I said it because I I'm good friends with all of LPNH, like the whole Libertarian Party, New Hampshire, the Free State Project, like that's what we're doing. We are congregating there to try and take over the political apparatus to basically oh, diminish believe it. Me, I believe, believe me, I know a good friend of mine is high up in the uh, political ranks in the state of New Hampshire and he does not like you guys at all. So love it. I love, uh, I love that they don't like us because we are coming. Like you can't stop us. We're we're all migrating there, and we are all voting to diminish state power. And yeah, you know, it, hey, I think I I think we can end on this note, Clint. Can I just I give my is- New Hampshire story when I was just there this past summer because I was actually there for the first time this summer. And like I said, I'm a cannabis person, and something that I noticed was that cannabis is not legal there, but That's they terrible. sure as hell aren't prosecuting it either. So it's right. very very, and not only that. It's really there because it's legal in Boston, it's legal in Massachusetts, right. and they're not doing anything to prevent it, but they're, they're not wanting to get in the business of it. Yeah. And I think that it was very telling. Like, I felt very free being there, and it, it's, it felt very like live and let live to me there. I very much yeah. loved it. Yeah, it's great. And uh, sorry, I got, I, I'm actually recording with Dave in four minutes. So, oh, go, go, uh, go. Go, no, 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 go ahead. He had one more thing to say and then I'll bounce. No, I was going to say that, um, you know, there are a lot of things that I think we can agree on. I think that the number one thing that I think, you know, the, the populist left and the populist right can agree on without question is that we have an extremely corrupt government that has been captured by corporate special interests and we need to band together to figure out that's our priority that's our priority i think we can all agree that our constitutional rights our civil liberties are in great peril at this point and then finally i think we can agree that we are a very wasteful spending country particularly when it comes to our military and we must deal with that we would love to have you back especially to debate steve grumbine that would be one hell of a (laughs) and welcome to florida Thank you. Thank you. And it was uh, nice to meet you. And and we will coexist just fine. Absolutely. <laughs> don't worry about me. I'm not I'm not a danger or anything. My like goal that. in I life is don't to be off the MMT. grid and live somewhere by myself in the woods. So you yeah. and I You would sound like one of me. I don't know what you're saying. I am, <laughs> but I believe in a social safety net and and caring well, for the least of these. As long that's as that social difference. safety net comes voluntarily, I agree with you entirely. <laughs> That's it. We'll have another conversation, you, my friend. <laughs> Thank you so much, brother. Appreciate it. Thank your you, time. guys. If anybody wants to follow me on Rumble, Liberty Lockdown, just search search for that or any podcast uh, podcatchers. Uh, obviously, your audience, if you're coming over to find an MMT advocate, you're going to be furious, but it's okay. I'll still <laughs> welcome you with open arms. Thanks, nice Fred. Have a good night. Thanks, guys. Do the thing. Bye-bye. So yeah, guys, you're not. We're not going to have everyone that we we have on here. You're not going to agree with. And I'm, isn't that good? I think. Well, here's the thing, guys. Seriously, this is not a good show for people who want to live in an echo chamber. It's just not. I could forward you to other shows where you can live in a little echo chamber. This won't be that. 
I'm nonpartisan. I'll listen to anybody. I'll have a rational, reasonable discussion. Obviously, I don't agree about healthcare and public school. I believe that's where libertarians lose me. And Double K is correct. Uh, and I understand. Does not promote unlimited issuance of currency. Again, he had to go. It doesn't matter. It's that's not my job of, to argue with no, him. No, but that's the type of conversation that Grumbine should have with yes. him. Because there's this misnomer, you know, well, again, it's like, you know, and I agree with, you know, certain things that Clinton said and obviously disagree with other things that he said. But the idea that he's like, oh, you want to just tax everybody 90 percent, Clint, you know, that's not. No, and, that's and that's fine. You know what? Look, I'm, I don't need. Here's the thing, because that is a very minority viewpoint yeah. in terms of where they are as libertarians as a group. There's really no need. Like, I don't need to argue about it. I just don't. I don't need to convince him. I don't need to try to sell him. That's not my job. My job is to learn about people, learn what they think, realize things that we do agree on and come together to get things done that we agree on. That's my that's what I'm trying to do. So if working with someone like that who is anti-war and pro-civil liberties, there's a lot of stuff that we could get together and help each other. I think on. Double K and Carrie, maybe more so than Danny and Dirtbag and a few others in the chat, really understand is that you're talking about a guy that for all intents and purposes probably was making several hundred thousand dollars a year and he had that completely ripped out from under him. And yeah. So you can understand if you were living in that type of a situation, now he's looking at society like F all of it. He's yeah. like Luke Radowski. He's like, I'm a full-blown anarchist now. I don't want anyone touching anything of mine. I look at taxation as theft because you took from me what I worked my life to earn, and now it's gone. Right. Well, it's very interesting. When we talk to people, one of the things we usually get from people when we talk to them is what really influenced them to get involved in whatever it is they're involved in, whether it's politics or or whatever their mission is. Like, what was the turning point for you? And a lot of people, it was, you know, the Bernie campaign. A lot of people, it was the Occupy movement. Like, everybody sort of has, like, where their kind of, you know, light came on in where we're in the space we're in. And I found it very telling that for him, his sort of, you know, inspiration was the lockdown and all of that, you know, in California, the economic you know, crushing of his business. And that was his impetus. So it makes sense that this would be the direction he would go. I mean, you know, I obviously there, yeah, there's a lot of things I don't agree on. And Danny, I, again, I understand your passion. There was a lot of things that we disagree with, but yes. Is he talking is, to me? No, he's talking about- Because uh, I'm the one who said, I do want to go live in the woods. No, but what he's saying is, is that there's a libertarian mindset of we want a state. I think if libertarians had Wyoming, for example, they would be very happy with basically having their own state where they make their own. He homes. just said they'll take New Hampshire, but here's the They're thing. They're not getting New Hampshire. Here's the thing about that. Like for me, and this is how I feel. When I say I feel like I have libertarian tendencies, like for me. I agree. You're paying 50% tax. But he does, he did live in California. In California, maybe the worst tax. Yeah, I actually, I have a friend that her and her husband moved here. And one of their biggest beefs was that kind of crap in California. They're, they tend to be more like that, more, um, libertarian, I guess you sure. want to call it. But, you know, my thing is I want to have a civilization where we appreciate the collective. And you guys know that's important to me. And you know that I support a social safety net. And I, I, I really care how the least of these is living. Like that matters to me. However, that being said, I really don't need to live among everybody. I really just want to, I really just want to keep to myself. <laughs> live in the woods, you but like I want the, everyone to have a good life. If you like the fact that we don't just bring on people to agree with everything we say, please go to patreon.com forward slash generational change for as little as $5 a month. You can become a supporter of our 
wonderfully diverse channel that is competing against a behemoth this evening. But if we you have join, take our poll. Take our poll if you're if you're a patron. Gotten a few good viewerships along the way, which is great. If you're a $10 subscriber, you obviously get the Mansion Palmentarian bumper sticker along with the Lulu sticker, which is really awesome. I'm actually thinking I'm going to start sending the Lulus to the $5 people. And, and so yeah, and be, yeah, I have a reason, but I'll tell you. Very, very generous people who give $25 a month. Here comes the sun, generational change. It's a jersey. jersey. Try blend, really soft and smooth. You know you want one. It's just creepy when you say that. Well, it really is. I know, but I think it's doing the opposite. I think it's yeah, like, sure. no, I just, I don't think it's working that way. You well, guys tell me, this his, because it's the same people. You guys, does him, does he sell the jersey? Yeah, at some point they'll agree. You never know. That's an interesting take. Well, here's the thing. They're taxing the wrong people. They're not taxing the corporations. They're not they're, they, We've created a society where corporations are people. And that's that's the problem. We it, the fact is, is that I don't have a problem with people getting extremely rich. I don't have I don't care how rich the rich are. I care how poor the poor are. And so to me, if they were pro you show me somebody who's a billionaire that has paid proper taxes. But let's be real. None of them do because they bought our government and they control the tax code. So they don't really ever pay proper taxes. They pay less taxes than like teachers and garbage collectors and people like that. They just do. They pay less taxes. People like Jeff Bezos don't pay taxes. Um, but if you show me someone like that, that has properly paid their fair share of taxes, hasn't screwed the environment, treats their workers properly, their workers have a living wage and their workers get to sort of feel the, the, the benefits of their productivity in a sense that as productivity goes up, their, their level of appreciation goes up as well. You show me the billionaire that has done that, I don't think I'd have a problem. Cash app, dollar sign gen change if you do not want to lock in your credit card information on Patreon. But we certainly appreciate any and all support that is provided. And of course, uh, as Double K has rightfully pointed out, corporations pass their taxes on to the consumer, which is correct. Yep. Now, if we lived in a society that was much more economically balanced, which we do not have, I bet you there would be a lot less of this extremism, such as anarcho-capitalist libertarianism, which is this idea of kill or be killed, the government shouldn't exist, or taxation is theft, all of those things. If we did not have to worry about the devaluing of our currency, because when the dollar is printed, for example, during COVID, most of that money went where it always goes, which is to the top. I mean, why somebody as simple as Tom Brady getting a million dollar, uh, you know, COVID benefit from the government? That triggers me. Like, why, why would that ever be necessary? But then again, Tom Brady triggers me. Whatever. I'm just saying that that's the type of thing that people would look at and say, yeah, that's messed up. The system shouldn't be that way. We are much better off living in a system where there is a lot more balance. Henceforth, why there was a great deal of agreement between Clint and us when it came to supporting small businesses. I think that's a big deal. Well, what if we all just got together, got rid of the corruption and ended the wars? What if we just did those two things? Imagine, like seriously, what if we just, what if we could all come together and do those two things? That would be pretty good. You know, well, imagine the how ending much the corruption thing is pretty massive because then you would automatically get things like healthcare because what people like Clint would be forced to recognize is that the majority of people do support it. So if you got rid of the corruption and we had a functional republic that was based on the will of the majority, things like healthcare would happen. 
So getting rid of the corruption would inevitably lead to the will of the majority being our policy. And Danny, I agree. The ideology of right-wing libertarianism- It's not my thing. Is, it, it's self, it, it's, it is selfishness. It is, it's about me. It's about what's in my interests. I don't care what other people's interests are. That is correct. And, but it's, it's interesting because they really do fail to see the interconnectedness of the universe and as somebody that like, all right, and I don't care if it sounds hippy dippy, but the truth is it's like a giant living organism. When we cut tops off of mountains, it's like self-cutting. It's, it's, we're all connected. And to not see that, it to me is just extremely small sighted. But I do think that a part of his ideology is framed from the perspective of somebody who has been absolutely decimated yeah. by our government. Yeah. I think there is a lot of truth. To it's how, well, look, that's how you ended up with the Boston Tea Party. Yeah. That's where it comes from when people, when people's livelihoods get screwed over by government taking from what they view as government taking and government overreach. That's when you have uprisings. Now, right now, I don't think there's enough people in that camp on this, but in terms of uprising, yes. And that's why Dirtbag, we don't look at this from the perspective. Mean, we can have a conversation with somebody like Clint and find common ground on specific issues that are of importance. Now, even though he doesn't agree on health care. Absolutely. Didn't even get to the environment. I don't know where he would stand on that. I mean. You're you know. right. But here's the thing. Like I said, if we were able to come together with them and get rid of corruption, then it really wouldn't matter what his opinion is on all those things because the majority of people disagree with him. And it's fine for us to talk to people like that. I talk to religious people and I don't agree with that. We could talk to all sorts of people and, and see where, you know, things. And there's nothing wrong. Get this. I know it's crazy. It's totally also cool to be friends with people even that you don't agree with on everything. And here's another kicker that a lot of, that, that a lot of you also have to think about. Remember, about three out of four, probably four out of five, if we're being really honest, four out of five Americans believe in universal health care. Yeah. He's the one out of five. Right. And in reality, he's even smaller than that because there's probably a good 20 to 25% of people who don't support universal health care who have no concept whatsoever what it's all about. He does know what it's all about, and he still says, F it, I don't want it. That's okay. There are going to be outliers. That's life. But and it's not our job to try to convince yeah. them. We already have the majority of people. Like, that's why it's so, you know, it's interesting that we're considered sort of like, you know, a radical left in some way. And I'm thinking, no, if you're with the majority, there's nothing radical. So if you get rid of the corruption and you actually have representation, then it would be a majority rule situation. And then people like that would end up either having to leave the country and go find some island or something, I don't know. We tend to be less imposing than that. Oh, thank you, Double K. Love her. Kind yes, he was very passionate, interesting. And, and I exactly, I don't have to, you know, it behooves us to know about the different kinds of people out there and what their positions are on things. It does. It, it, it's, I think, I don't see how that does anything but Danny, help us. I don't, I don't agree. This is where I would disagree. I don't believe that what he's promoting is a neoliberal economic model. No. I, I don't believe that at all. In no, fact, he's every man for himself. He's like, the government is out of control. Now that we all agree the government's out of control, the question is, what direction do you go in in order to deal with it? He doesn't think the government has any responsibility at a federal level to care for its citizens. That I vehemently disagree with. That's the bottom line. The problem, of course, is the government right now 
And again, here's a man who I guarantee you probably believes very much in the ideology of Thomas Jefferson. The problem is, is that he's not really seeing it through the lens of what Jefferson promoted, which was when the people fear the government, there is tyranny. When the government fears the people, there is liberty. Right now, the government doesn't fear the people, not even a little bit. If we as a country had any sense of the collective, as Jen likes to point out, we would be unified right now, tens of millions of people pointing the finger directly at the federal government and saying, get your asses over to East Palestine and fix that effing problem right now, or there is going to be a serious problem for this country. Right now, that isn't happening. And you know that we agree with you on that, Metalopoly. I, I, that is absolutely the sanctimony on the left is suffocating. And if they actually stood for anything, maybe, you know, if they actually were fighting for, you know, workers and regular people and were actually doing that, you know, but the fact that they don't, it's just, um, yeah, it's nauseating. And I do think they're bleeding people. They've been for years. They've been since the Debbie years. They've, they haven't they haven't ever recovered and again, from that. This is like a conversation with Metopoly, who is on the, probably more the libertarian side. But Metopoly, I, I think you understand where we're coming from regarding universal health care. We don't want the government running it. The, the, when a government runs health care, they set the prices. They determine what doctors you can and cannot see very much to a degree, as to what Obamacare is, which is a disaster, uh, you know, a universal healthcare system removes the for-profit middlemen in between us and our doctors and makes it a single-payer system, which is our tax dollars allocated the way we but want. But what you're talking about is there are people, a la Cliff, who fundamentally do not believe that we have, that we are, that we have a right to healthcare. Now, I don't think that we as human beings have a right to that. What I do believe is that in a civilization where the resources are there and we're capable of doing it, that that's the point of coming together as a civilization. If you're promoting the general it, welfare, correct. as is stated in the Constitution, then as far as I can tell. As long as you're in a place where we have those, like if we didn't have those means, if we were living in a time where we couldn't have that, then you couldn't have that. But to be part of a civilization that has that and purposefully denies it to people based on socioeconomic factors is disgusting and amoral. And so that's where, my problem. And this is where Danny is wrong. The resources of this nation do not belong to everyone. They should belong to Correct. everyone, but they don't. And we not punish and we punish countries that even think about doing that. Absolutely. That's why why do you think we punished Iraq? Why do you think we Venezuela. punished Russia? Let me tell you. You think for one second that we wouldn't punish China if we could? The only reason we can't punish China is cuz they own our ass. That's we we their bitch. Yeah, they own a, they own the means of production. You want to talk about the proletariat? China controls the means of production in so many ways. We have outsourced everything. Yeah. So the ability to have a living wage and healthcare and things that matter and having a job with dignity that matters, so much of that is gone. And well, somebody. and let me be very metalopoly. I'm a medical family. My husband's a physician. That is the hand that feeds me. I see both sides of the argument. And yet my husband fully supports the idea of single payer healthcare. And the reason he supports that is the amount of aggravation, the amount of money they pay. The amount of money that my has to allocate in terms of human resources. We love you, we love you too, Thank Danny. you, Danny. Um, in terms of dealing with the managed care system we have, knowing that it's getting siphoned out and knowing that it controls how he can treat patients. So it's like, yeah, we acknowledge that going to that kind of system might reduce certain doctor pay. 
but you're also reducing the amount of money they're having to pay to deal with managed care. And that is a pain in their ass. They, there are full staffs in medical offices that are just there to deal with, with managed care. Those people that are doing that job could be allocated to a lot of clerical positions in other places. So this isn't something where we're worrying about people losing jobs. I don't want to hear that. But like doctors actually are not all opposed to the idea. Hell, I'm surprised that libertarians are more gung-ho about universal health care because the jobs that would be removed are administrative jobs. Jobs that don't actually make the make the country function economically. Yes, people absolutely should be able to have a job and a career and live in dignity. But you know how easily replaceable those jobs are that would be removed from the healthcare industry. You well, think, they could go into any kind of industry. They're clerical positions. They're basically office jobs. You right? think you think that United Healthcare? You think that Aetna and Cigna and Florida Blue? You think they have any reason at all to exist? They have. N- Less than zero reason to exist. Less than zero. Other than for feeding shareholders. Correct. That's it. And so when somebody like Mr. Anarcho-Libertarian And again, I hate labels. I do. And I don't even he like embraced it. it. Oh, so no, no. And I know. And I, this is one of the reasons I don't even like people giving themselves their own labels. Because a lot of times you don't really even know. I mean, I don't know. I just, I feel like I'm just not into labels. I feel that's part of the problem. And it's ironic when you're saying, I don't want my kids learning that we have skin color differences, right? Like, I don't like the idea of them learning that, that we're different when we're all the same, which, you know, when you say that, you're, you're completely being disrespectful. Do not do that when I'm talking about something serious. It'll just piss me off. But like, when you say that you don't want people to be taught about race and differences, that completely disparages those differences. I guess you're not paying attention to the chat. Why? When you get a dollar donation of this size and somebody makes a request, you give the audience oh, what they want. Oh, of course, but you don't have to do it when I'm in the middle of I'm talking. Sorry. No, you're just oblivious to it. I'm sitting here talking. Point being, people, I think that when you label yourself an ist and so many different things, that that actually does more damage than us teaching our kids about like historical racial differences that in terms of how history has played out. That's what I think. And I think that we have been improperly educating our children for very many, many generations. Well, again, that's on purpose. Okay. Now you could put on your face and do what you want to do, but just don't do it when I'm in, it's really distracting and it's really rude and I don't like it. I'm not going to do it now. No, Danny wants you to do it. So I definitely want you to do it. I wasn't trying to be rude. No, I I know you never are trying. I was. You're never trying. You know what? I don't like the implication. It was not. Okay. You you don't like the implication. No, I wasn't doing anything other than just going You were. You were leaning out of the conversation and it's distracting when you do that. And I apologize. I don't want to hear it. I'm so sick of apologies. Guys, if you know me, don't apologize. An apology without a change of behavior is just a manipulation. A guy watching Instagram. Guys, I'm sorry. I'm not really in the mood to be Bill now. I'm just not. I feel bad. And now, and now I'm the bad guy, Danny. That's how it works. Yes. I'm the bad guy. I was already feeling like crap already as it is. I was only trying to. Whatever. You showed us all. Okay. But you could have just waited. That's all all I'm saying. And I am waiting. I wasn't going until you were done. I know, but it was just distracting. Okay. And then you could have just said, could you just wait a minute? And I would have, but instead you decided to bite my head off. I didn't do anything. Okay. So anyway, um, just give me a minute. I think you guys all need to just recognize that these conversations, um, you know, they're important. You know, there there's a lot to be said for why we ended up where we've ended up, especially over the past 40 plus years. But there have been some inflection points along the way. 
And we know that there are certain people who are directly responsible. The oppressor is empire, Metalopoly. That's the oppressor, is empire. The only oppressor is me. Ugh. I oppress the shit Gross. out of everybody, and yet everyone still kisses the ring. They still think that I'm God among men, and let's face it, I'm a hundred millionaire, so I kind of am a God among men. Ugh. Did you hear that they are, <laughs> I'm not inhaling, so don't even try. Um, I really insist right now that people understand that the reason why they wanted Slick Willie to come on this evening is to talk about the fact that apparently names are going to be released regarding Jeffrey Epstein's uh, visitors, if you will, to his island. <laughs> I can assure you, you are never, ever going to see Slick Willie take the bait. Mm. It's not going to happen. I am above the law. Because as I said to Jen and to all of you out there, you know, still pretending like, there's justice to be had for people like us. There will never be justice for somebody like me. I created the crime bill. I passed it. I made the country what it is today. Don't you understand that there is no way for this to ever end in your favor? So continue to scream, bitch, moan, complain, do all those things. They're dropping it's like not, flies, no, all, except for Double K because she loves it. Uh, well, you know, Double I, K I, don't think I think she might. I don't think that's the reason they're leaving. I think they just accept the fact that they can't win. So they must go. <laughs> but I have to say right now, if there's one thing I am very well aware of, the neoliberalism that I have created and put on steroids in this country has resulted in one of the greatest economic, ecological catastrophes this country's ever seen. The people of East Palestine Sorry, looks like uh, that good old NAFTA normal trade relations with China took a lot of those jobs that were once in that part of the country away. Now we just zip those little railroad cars <laughs> right through your neighborhoods. And uh, lo and behold, you know, there's not much anyone can see. So I, I do uh, have a little sympathy, but not very much. Um, and just remember, there is nothing that is going to come of this. The government is going to take forever and a day to clean it up. People are going to get sick. They're going to get cancer. They're going to lose their jobs. They're going to not be able to live where they are. What about <laughs> the foxes, Bill? The foxes. Now, the foxes belong in the foxhole. Well, if they could find a way there, they would be okay. I'm but devastated. They I definitely I'm just aren't. so sad. I'm like upset about the whole thing. I'm not really that sad. Metalopoly, nobody is talking about abolishing whiteness. We want to abolish white supremacy. No, they're definitely talking about abolishing whiteness. Nobody's talking about, who's talking about that? Did How you would know, you even do I, that? What does I that mean? I got a trivia question for you. I'm not sure you know this or not, Jen. Maybe you do. You might have been living there at the time. But did you know that when I officially declared my candidacy for president of the United States in 1992, did you know where I announced my candidacy? Do you know? I announced it at the birthplace of the KKK. That's Martinsville, you, Indiana. I bet you didn't know that. It was almost as good as... Uh, uh, you, really? In Martinsville, Indiana is where you were? Yeah, it was really great, wasn't it? <laughs> you know, I actually know that because I did live near Martinsville, Indiana. Well, you know, they really do like us in the Democratic Party. I mean, after all, they do say that the birth of the KKK came from the Democrats. So, Dirtbags, uh, stop picking fights. I just want to feel like I matter. And that's why I'm here. <laughs> of course, uh, President Reagan, you know, he launched his campaign, if I remember correctly, I think in Philadelphia, Mississippi. <laughs> uh, I had to do him one better. I certainly did. Uh, 
ever since I decided to implement all these wonderful policies that have completely destroyed working class people's opportunities in this country, uh, it seems like no one wants to talk about the fact that it was on me. Uh, I'm like, hey, I'm here. I did it. It's it's me. I made it possible. Oh, well, you made it possible. I certainly did. How are Here's the doing thing. You know there? what I think, dirtbag leftist? First of all, we all started out as black women. Excuse me. No, I want to talk about this. This is about me. It's it my show. You, but here's the thing, people. We all started out as black people. And then people migrated farther from the equator. And then they became, they lost pigmentation in their skin. This is what happened. And I actually believe that at some point in the future, before the end of civilization, of our civilization, that people will eventually all kind of go back to being brown again, like getting all back. Like, I, no, I'm sorry, but that's what I think. No, I'm not making that up. It is true. We were all created in God's image, (sighs) which is. About 50 Which is a images. white man, right? Like Jesus was a white man? No, I simply said I have 50 no different images. In you just make it up. I don't think Jesus was a white man because <laughs> if he was, he'd be me. It's great he talking was to you guys. Certainly not a white and man. And just remember, you will never see justice for me and Hillary. It's just not going to happen. Mm. Bye. So gross. Now, you know that woman who does those like, those workshops on racism. I forget her name. It's Sue something or other. She's older. She might not even be, I, I, I don't know if she's alive now or not. She's done these workshops. And I remember seeing her on like Oprah and I've seen her on things where she's done these workshops. And that's the one thing is like races is, 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 is a construct, is a construct. Melatonin in, in our skin is based on your country, your origins as far as where they are from the equator. And that is really what it comes from. And that's where it goes. And so it's, it's all the same. And I, and I actually think that at some point it'll end up coming back full circle before there's no more people. As far as I'm concerned, it's just another dividing issue. It's just another way. It is, but we, at this point in history, we have to recognize that those differences, the anti-blackness and those differences and what that says about us, like now we have to address that because of what it says about us and where we, you have to address things before you can do anything about them. Yeah, no, I agree. Okay, so now we have to address it that we have created this, you know, this race construct, this social construct that, that we know was created um, basically by the wealthy to suppress the poor whites, to keep them hating somebody lower than them. And all of it has been going, and we have to deal with it. We have to address that that happened. But the concept of actual skin pigmentation is, is, a, is not a thing. Like that started, we all started out as, I believe, black women. Like that's the birth of, our, of, of humans, is okay, black so women. Okay, so Eve came before Adam and Eve was black. And that's all you need to know. Oh, for the love of all it is. I'm just kidding. I'm not an anthropologist, but that, that is, that is, and I, that's why I really wish I could, her name is Sue something. And I want to play the little clip of her at some point doing it, because this is someone who would like, this is what she studied. This is what she did. And like from an anthropological standpoint, that is where it is. Humanity started um, where people were black skinned. That is where the birthplace of humanity. So next week, we are going to have on Wednesday, I set up a very special panel for Jen. She is going to have three, her probably her three favorite people uh, that she met at Canadelic in Miami. We are going to have, uh, uh, is, what, what was, uh, well, the Hashanista. The Hashanista. Her name is... Um, 
Her name is Elise. Elise. I don't, I cannot for the life of me remember the last name, last name off the top of my head, but her name so, is Elise. She's Irish adorable, name. guys. She's called the Hashinista. Um, and she, she's just a great, you know, like she's just somebody I like in the, in the cannabis industry. And she also um, represents artists that are in the industry. And she's just really cool. So we'll have her. We will have um, the fungi people, the fun guy people. We'll have Blair from Fungi Culture. She will be coming on, Blair Popkin, uh, the funky culture dot co. Fungi culture dot com. Gonna put that in the chat. Fun, so just fun. And then also, um, uh, it, it's James, right? Wasn't his name James? The guy next to me. I think it was. Uh, Why am I drawing a total blank right now? It's either James Smith. I don't know. His last name is Smith. I know that. I think it's um, James. But anyway, this this was the gentleman that was next to me at that where my table was at Canadelic. And he was giving out free dabs to everybody. And his business is he's an online, he's a content creator. And what he wants to do is promote and he promotes products for other people. And in doing so, he was giving out free dabs. Which that he was, I nearly died. It was so great. <laughs> He it tried was, to kill me. He did not try to kill you. Kill Everybody else was doing it just fine. Yeah, well, I don't really do it, so I guess that's why I chose. So it was really fun. So, guys, that'll be next Wednesday. Do we? We don't have anything right now set for Monday, is what you're saying? Not at the moment, but that will change. And then, following that, then what do we have? Hold on a second. We on have Wednesday the first. On have, Wednesday the first, we're going to be talking with Dr. Stephen Bezrushka. This is the book, guys. It's called Inequality Kills Us All. I'm in the process. You see, I'm reading. Um, I'm in the process of reading this. I saw this gentleman. He is, um, he's from Toronto. So he is somebody that grew up with the Canadian healthcare system. He currently lives in Washington. He's a professor at the University of Washington. And he was an emergency room doctor um, in this country uh, for, for like 30 years. So it, this is a book that he wrote. I saw him discussing it. I cannot for the life of me remember where I saw him on talking about it. But I just really appreciated his perspective on what, and we've talked about it before, but the lessons from COVID, what that really, how that shined a light on so many different things that are already problems. And we're going to talk about those problems. And one of the things he's big on measuring is he looks at the health of a nation. And I really like that perspective. And how healthy is our nation? Well, our nation is like 51st right now out of developed nations <laughs> in terms of our health. And he talks about the ways he measures the health of a nation. And he does it based on things like life expectancy. Also, quality of life uh, in terms of how many years you live without being sick compared to, you know, how many years you linger in our healthcare system, right? So he measures different things. And, you know, it's just, it's really interesting. And I agree. I think we are very unhealthy as well, people. And that's what we're going to be talking about more so than just COVID. I just think that DM, the whole concept. Welcome. Always great to see you. Uh, it is James Smith. James Smith. I said James. Okay. So yeah. James Smith. So there's your panel for next Yeah. Wednesday. So guys, next Wednesday, Wednesday, my people, friend, friends that I met at Canadelic, we're going to talk about the cannabis industry. We'll talk about it here in small Florida. Business. We'll talk about small businesses that are in the cannabis, how hard it is because of the cannabisopoly that's trying to happen from certain people that want to own the industry. Um, and that's why it's always been hard to get it legal because it's something you can grow and you don't need processing uh, to be able to do it. So there's no way for them to own it. And so that's how they, that's why it's been like this for so long. But so we're going to talk a lot about that stuff. Well, I'll send a message to, uh, send a message to, uh, Margaret Kimberly because Monday is president's day. Oh my God. Her yes. book, Presidential guys. Yeah. It's great. 
I cannot stress that enough because it's such like, it's almost like a manual. You could pick it at, you could pick any president and go to that chapter and just be like, I wonder how this person was on this. And there it is. And it's just really broken down. It's basically like presidents for dummies. It's really good. Danny, if it, and, you know, honestly, anytime you make a contribution, especially a contribution of that size, I'll be <laughs> He'll dance. character you want. He'll dance. Um, but so, guys, if you're interested, that's the book we're going to be talking about, Inequality Kills Us All, COVID-19's Health Lessons for the World, Dr. Stephen Bezrushka. And, um, yeah, I think it'll be a really interesting conversation. And clearly, I'm, the, the collective health of our country is definitely a source of concern for me. So that's what we're going to It definitely is, on. which is why we need universal health care, despite what our libertarian friends may seem to think. Nevertheless, we are obviously very grateful for each and every one of you who showed up tonight. Um, oh, let me make my plea once again. Guys, we have, yes. 19, we have people on. So I am still looking for people in the Gen Z group. If you are a Gen Z or you know a Gen Z or you know somebody that's either like junior, senior in high school, through college age person, like a student age person who would be interested in being part of a regular panel discussion on our show um, called the Gen Z Report, then we would love to hear from them. If you think somebody would be interested in talking politics, they, they're interested, they're active, they're involved in some of these issues. Talk about this with Alethea when we see. Yeah. But so guys, if you know anybody, tell them to reach out generationalchange at gmail.com and let me know. You know what I mean? Like we're really, I'm really wanting to like, at first, I want to start out moderating this panel. So it'll be me and a group of kids. And and this is obviously going to be via, you know, call in. This isn't going to be in studio. I mean, if somebody wanted to come in studio, but it could be kids anywhere. And we're going to, I'm going to talk to them and, you know, hear what they say about issues and different things and really try to, I, I feel the need to like bring that group along. And so that's what we're going to do. So guys, if you know anyone who'd be interested in being part of roundtable, basically a roundtable discussions, um, with me. And then I'd love for that show to sort of take off on its own where it doesn't, where I'm not necessarily even involved and you get kids that want to like kind of just run their show. I'd love that. So that's what I'm looking for. <laughs> what? Is that not right? No, Jen, uh, Okay, fine. I hear what you're saying. Unfortunately, I'm pretty sure that we could qualify that as a genocide and we're kind of stuck with them for right now. Not to mention that I parent two of them. So I, I'd rather not talk about like the extermination right. as an option. The kids are all right. But I do but the think that the more, we need, the more we get, the more we as people who are involved and as adults, the more we try to connect with that group and bring them in and mentor them, the better off everything is. And anybody who's in a position of leadership who doesn't do that is in it for the wrong reasons. And this is something that should be red flags to people about their congressional representatives or anybody else in a power position that doesn't feel incumbent to mentor other people. It means you're in, in, a, in a position of public service, I mean, in a position of public service. I don't think that everybody in a private business has a responsibility to do that, but you know what I'm saying. Yes, I know. In public service, people, if you're not mentoring, you're not doing your job. Um, so that's important to me. I'd love for you know kids to wanna do that. Um, Right now, I'm, you know, anywhere from like six to eight kids. So would it be the same group every time with pressure on it? It would be like if we did it, you know, once a week and it rotate different kids through or whatever we did. So a group would be good. Also want to give a shout out to Status Coup, uh, Jordan Chariton's interview with Aaron Brockovich. I highly recommend you guys go and check that out. Also, his interviews with uh, local residents of East Palestine are very heartbreaking. I, I but, can't um, with the foxes. 
but don't watch the real? Fox interview. I mean, watch the Fox yeah. interview, but I'm telling you guys, it's the whole thing just freaks me out. Yes, I can imagine so. Um, so for those of you who, you know, like uh, TM and a number of others who are just tuning in now. We started early tonight, guys, tonight because it just start. happened. Yes, just worked out that way. But it was a very good show. Um, Go back and you'll watch. enjoy the conversation, even though there was a lot of disagreement. Yeah, uh, TM, you should definitely watch the conversation we had. Definitely. Yes. You yes. would appreciate. So with that said, we appreciate you all. Stay well. We'll see you Monday. Thanks for watching. If you want to support our mission to transform politics into service, please like this video, subscribe, follow us on social media, and consider joining our Patreon, where you'll get early access to our interviews as well as other exclusive content. Links are in the description. Peace out.